Welcome to the Standby Muster. My name is Ray Fletchroom, and my guest today is Jason with a Y. How are you doing today, Jason? I'm pretty good. Doing, doing well. That's good. That's good. So, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, hopefully you heard the first episode. We're going to be mainly talking about uh, your time in the military service and right. see if you can shed some light on some uh, key points and stuff that people might be wondering when they're coming in. Great. Great. And maybe like someone else uh, could like share the experience that you had also while you were in the, while you were in the military. I'm sure um, I would definitely uh, be happy to do that. Awesome. Okay. Uh, so if you want to kick us off, let's uh, ask some, let's go over some questions. All right. So uh, what branch did you join? I joined the world's finest Navy. Um, it, it is, it, it, it wasn't my first choice. Um, I actually was planning to join the United States Air Force at first because my older brother, uh, he was in Air Force for, uh, I think it was two years. I think you could do two, two years back then. Oh man. I, uh, I actually wanted to join the army, but unfortunately they were closed that day when I went to go. <laughs> so, uh, but luckily the Navy was open like right next door and they're like, yeah, come on in. Yeah. Something similar happened to me. Um, I got, I went down to the recruiter and the Air Force recruiter and he wasn't there. He was out to lunch. Um, the army recruiter was out to lunch, but I wasn't planning on joining the army. Uh, the Marine recruiter was out to lunch. The only person who wasn't out to lunch was the Navy recruiter. So I actually sat outside in the seating area and you know waiting for the air force recruiter to come back so the navy recruiter pops out and says hey um oh who are you here to see so oh, well i'm waiting for the air force recruiter to come back he said well come on in you can wait in, wait in with me you know you shouldn't sit out there by yourself and just wait mm-hmm. uh you know, little did i know um so he got you yeah so i go in <laughs> and he very subtly though he doesn't he doesn't didn't try to sell me hard he just kind of asked me some questions, you know, um, like what I was doing, what I'm currently doing and what I was doing before I decided to come in. You know, I told him I was in college um, and, and I was at the time. And, you know, he asked me what I what I was looking to do, especially uh, specifically in the Air Force, because like I said, he was giving me the soft sell. And um, after about 30 minutes, he pretty much sold me on the Navy. What were you trying to go for? Uh, I was in college at the time for computer science. Okay. Nice. I went, right, right. It's, it's, it's a funny thing. I, I thought I was going to roll right into um, computers in the Navy, but I didn't do my research ahead of time. And that's, that was a fatal mistake, which I'll, um, sure I'll get to later. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I, um, when I went there, or say when I was talking to him, and I decided I was going to really think hard about joining the Navy, um, I asked him if they had a computers program, and he said, "Oh yeah, you want to be an electronics technician? Uh, excuse me, an electronics technician in ET." And I said, um, "Well, like I said, I didn't do the research ahead of time." And I asked, "What an ET? What, what's that?" He said, "Oh, well, they work with you know electronics and and radar and." Uh, communications equipment. I said, do they also work with 
uh, computer suicide. Oh, yeah, they work with everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they do everything. True, which was technically true. So I can't really, <laughs> really, you know, a lot of the blame, you know, falls on my shoulders. Um, but he clearly took advantage of my uh, lack of preparation. Yeah, because you were prepared to join the Air Force. And he's just like, oh, yeah, come on in. You want a cup of coffee? You want a glass of water? Yeah, I, I was a, I was a deer in the headlights, and he he just I was a mark, and he got me. So, um, so he he told me about this program, and he 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 dressed it up really nice, and he described all the advantages of becoming an electronics technician. Right. He said, well, there's you know um, a signing bonus of something like ten thousand. Uh, Five to ten thousand. I ended up getting seven. Oh, you lucky son of a gun! I didn't get yeah. anything. Yeah, it it it's often the blow of you know how the the whole thing ended up. Um, but and then he told me that after um, a certain rank, I would be automatically advanced to the next rank. Okay. So with those two things, um, he he sold me on it. Um, but there was something he did he neglected to tell me. What was that? And he neglected to tell me that it carried, um, it required a secret clearance. Now, that's not ordinarily a problem for, you know, for people, but it it happened to be a problem with me because of a, uh, certain circumstances. Uh, when I was in college, I, um, I used a lot of credit, you know, to pay for books and to pay for oh. stuff, you know. So I basically ran up a lot of a credit card debt, about three cards, you know, kind of maxed out. <clears throat> and, um, but this was, this was a couple of years earlier, you know, when I maxed them and then the cards kind of just went to collection because I just couldn't afford to pay for them. anymore. I was, I was a student, you know, I made a lot of bad decisions. Uh, so right. I don't blame anyone but myself on that, on that regard. But, um, if he had told me that it required a clearance, then I probably would have thought twice about uh, taking the program. Uh, because what ended up happening is, because this required a clearance, they dispatched um, a, a federal investigator, you know, to take basically my my uh, uh, history with respect to my um, clearance. You know, sort of a, a background check. Right. Right. Um, and. And it was funny because I was still a, um, a work-study student at um, – I was in uh, Philadelphia at the time going to Temple University. Uh, most people have never heard of it. Uh, maybe now because our basketball team and football team <laughs> going well. Oh, now, um, now. Yeah, now when I was there, they, they – well, the basketball team always did well, but the football team was always destroyed. Uh, so I was still a student, a work-study student there, and I was working in the computer lab. And this federal investigator comes. Uh, I actually mistook him for an FBI investigator. <laughs> he was just some office of federal investigations, you know. But he looked just like, you know, like you would imagine a like, FBI like to look like, yeah. Like you see on the TVs and all that stuff, the nice suit, the badge, clean, the clean uh, the cut. Clean, uh, just it was very intimidating. I'll say that. Those guys are intimidating. If you ever <laughs> investigate it by... Uh, a federal investigator of whatever kind; those guys are pretty intimidating. Oof! Hopefully, I never so, have to go through that. 
Right. So I, you know, went into a room with him for like four hours and he went through every last thing in my credit report. Um, and then he, 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 he put his report together and then, uh, he left and I thought that was the end of it. Um, so I go in and I go into boot camp thinking everything's all good and boot camp boot camp was just the worst horror of my life. I'll just say it. Yeah. It was the worst horror of my life. And I, I didn't, I didn't think it would be, you know, hearts and flowers, but it just was way, way worse than I thought. But I think that it was probably because, um, I, I went in at age 30 and most people go in oh. at like 18 or 19. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so it was, uh, you know, I, was, I guess because I was like pretty set in my ways. Okay. And, you know, I, the, the whole thing is to, you know, break you down and, and build you back up. Right. But, um, I, I was kind of resistant to that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, and then on top of that, my three, um, my three trainers, um, RDCs. RDCs yeah. RDCs, um, uh, my it was a chief, a first class, and a second class. I don't know if it's the same in every single um, uh, division, um, but I had that's what I had. And my chief was he was just a hothead. He just he would just explode, and he would always be on the tip of exploding, and he would like rarely be in like a pleasant mood. And I, you know, I always imagine that he was just gonna keel over one day and just die of a heart attack. <laughs> So, it's all it's all that coffee they drink. Yeah, it's so. And he he was always yelling, and he was always just exploding. And then our first class, he was tough, but he was fair. He was the guy, you know, sort of the mom and pop. Like the chief was the pop, and he was sort of the mom. You know, he was tough. He was still tough. You know, you you couldn't, you know, you couldn't pull anything over on him. But he was but he was a fair guy. Gotcha. Uh, the yeah, the third one, he was a second class, and he was a pure psycho, just pure psycho. <laughs> he was, like, the chief would explode, and then he would do, dole out the punishment. And he would just he would just snap, like, snap out on you. Like, one moment he seems, like, personable almost, you know, you can kind of talk to him, and the next moment he's just, just crazy screaming and yelling. And it didn't always coincide with the chief being angry. You know, he would just snap out and just punish us just randomly you know i don't know maybe it's part of the training or maybe like i said he was just a psycho yeah uh, probably he, both yeah he he uh he was he was a nightmare oh i imagine and worst he he definitely fixated on me you know oh. i guess he felt i i you know he was probably right that i was a little uh, sort of resistant to the break you down build you up um, mode that they were using, you know. So, uh, it, it, boot camp was terrible. Um, and I can't really think of any good parts about it. Um, do you remember any bad parts besides oh, the whole yeah. thing? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Specifically like one time, um, well, it, it kind of started in the beginning where, where we first went through the whole, in, you know, uh, processing days p days i think they were called you're right yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and that just kept us awake the entire time it must have been three days before i finally went to sleep 
and just constantly, uh, you know, processing, getting our clothes, getting our boots, getting our um, gear, uh, you know, t uh, tests or, or, you know, verifying information. I, I remember that. Uh, and then I, I, I remember this. I remember that night, or I should say that day, the third day, I remember thinking that I wasn't going to make it through this three-day thing. I wasn't even going to make it. Like, I wasn't even going to make it into actual boot camp. And I, and I was thinking that the next morning, like, we were finally going to go to sleep that night. We finally got to our uh, division. And I remember thinking that um, tomorrow morning, I'm going to go, I'm going to request to be you know, separate or dropped, you know, I think you can be dropped within like the first period, you know, first there's like a, uh, there's like a, a grace period where they, they let you drop and they just, you know, make it as if you never signed up at all. You know, they're not, um, um, separating you or, you know, discharging you. They're just making it as if you were never there. And I remember thinking the next morning I, I was just going to drop. I just couldn't do it. And it just was killing me. Them screaming and yelling at me, no sleep, you know, marching all over the place, carrying heavy bundles and all that. I was like, no, I'm just not cut up with this. Because, you know, as I said before, I, I was I came straight from college. You know, I I was used to just, you know, doing, doing your own thing, doing whatever I wanted, partying, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it comes to a screeching halt when as soon as you step through those doors, yeah. you step off that bus, and you're just being yelled at. When you stepped off the bus, uh, actually, to be honest, no, it was even before that. It was on the bus when the first uh, RDC or um, I don't even remember what his rank was, but he was, but he was clearly an RDC with a red <laughs> rope. And he, he got on the butt bus and started yelling. And just the way he did it in a seriousness and it just was a total like shock to the system for me. And I, I just knew that things were going downhill from there and they did. And it just kept going. So what, what made you stay in? Uh, well, the next morning, I had a good night's sleep. A real, you know, some sleep. And I just felt better. Yeah. I just felt better that next morning. And I just felt like I could, maybe I could, ha maybe I could handle it. And I, it gave me the idea that, okay, all this stuff is terrible. But with sleep, then I can probably handle whatever's coming. Right. So, did you finish your basic training as an ET? Um, I was um, I was an ET technically, but I was an E three. Um, you know, I didn't go through the ET schooling, but I but I did have the rate classification. Um, so I was classified as an ET without having going through any schooling, and I went in as an E three. Um, in boot camp. So when I left boot camp, I just left as an E three. Um, but I had to go through the schooling, uh, the A schooling, before uh, they were going to advance me to the next rank. Right. Um, that was one one time in boot camp. That was um, well. One of the things that um, really really scared me about boot camp, or made it unpleasant, was um, the fear of getting rolled back. Oh. And, I could barely handle it each day as it was, and the, to think that more days would be added to it. So I was always afraid of illness or injury. And one time, um, everyone in the, in our division got sick, you know. And like one guy had like bronchitis, and I was just praying, like, because he got rolled back because he had that. 
and I was just praying, please let me not get this. Because <laughs> I, I can't, I, re- I could not handle one more day. You know, if, if my schedule was thrown back even one day, I just, I, I don't know what would have happened. No, I, I completely understand that. I actually got, uh, what was it, swine flu H1N1? Oh, God. So I got, th- I got that because uh, we were all lined up. We were about to go eat chow, and this kid that had it was standing behind me he sneezed on the back of my neck and i was like are you kidding me right now <laughs> and like you couldn't say anything because you you were scared that the rdcs were just gonna like break right. you down right there That's so right. i just i had to deal with it and like a couple of days later i'm standing in formation and then next thing you know i wake up on the ground like how did i get here and i have an rdc yelling at me like get up and i'm like I'd, hold on though hold on wait one sec wait 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 how how did i end up on the floor <laughs> and they're like you passed out and i had to go to medical and they yeah they diagnosed me said yeah i got the flu and i had to spend the week in oh, bed just you actually it wasn't a week it was like a couple of days and then right. i was good to go uh i had to, um i had to spend a couple of days on what, what was called bed rest i never got siq which was i'm happy i'm glad some people pray to get siq but I, I didn't. Like I said, I didn't want to get pushed back in any kind of way. And I was on bed rest because they did their routine um, dental where, you know, they look uh, you over they decide if you need some dental work. Well, I needed dental work. Did, you, pulled, did you need the wisdom teeth pulled? Yes, they pulled all oh. four wisdom teeth. But on the bottom part, they had my, my teeth were like partially covered. By my gums so they had to cut through my gums yeah and you know they had to cut like at an angle and pull the teeth out that way and then restitch my uh gums you know where my jaw is restitch that interior part so i was scared to death of getting a dry socket you know those oh yeah it's where you know supposedly food can get inside that opening where your stitch where it's stitched shut because if you open your mouth the stitches stretch a little bit and food can get back there if you're not careful, and then you'll get an infection, and then you know dry socking, and then you're and then you, you get know, rolled back, like you, and then you get rolled back, right? Um, so that's pretty much the the worst of it. Um, I like I said, I dealt with everything else, you know, um, the marching, you know, the everything. I I, I was a decent marcher, not not a good one. But those were mostly the biggest things. Now, the one good thing I will say about the um, the pulling of the wisdom teeth and the surgery, you know, oral surgery they had to do, was they gave me for the first time. I they they gave me Vicodin, and I, that was the first time I ever had that stuff. And I was on cloud nine. I was feeling <laughs> nothing. I was just floating, and you know they you know because it's it's narcotic, <clears throat> they only give it to you like maybe one day or, or maybe two days at the most, something like that. Not even right. One day. And then the rest are just, you know, uh, you know, some kind of NSAID and which of course doesn't block the pain at all. So just, I was hating life for a good week after the, you know, that one or two days of like, so that was really the only good thing about boot camp. To be was, honest. That was, and the fact that it was over. Oh yeah. That's it. All right. So, um, when you got to the fleet, uh, how was that? That was, um, it was like, well, first I went to, um, I left boot camp and I went to a school 
and there was nothing particularly out of the ordinary about a school um except well uh, there was one thing um the fact that it's all computer-based training oh uh, i did i went to electric, electronic school it's all computer-based training and it's all um sort of path oriented like you get on the path it's like an assembly line you have to do module after module after module and they want you to be on a certain pace and the pace is so hectic because the school is only something like nine months long i believe it was and you might think that that's long but not for all of the stuff that they were teaching us you know they were teaching us about basic electronics then more advanced electronics and then specialty uh electronics with respect to communications and radar you know application i guess they were teaching us theory and then application now the the thing that was um that struck me about it was what people did to cope with that kind of schedule everybody they either drank coffee and people were just lined up to drink coffee it was just a line around the corner and or they either um popped these things called no-dose pills. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, I, I remember those very well. Yeah, and they just they keep you awake, and you can just keep doing your uh, doing your modules. You I know, and they get up and take your test and go back and do more modules. And that was probably the most remarkable thing about that was the, the way that people just, when we took quick breaks, we just all piled up and just had coffee. We didn't eat anything. We didn't do anything else but just sit there and have coffee and then go right back to work. It was, it was kind it was, of a meat grinder. It was coffee and smokes on the smoke deck. Yeah, people did that. Yeah. yeah. But, oh, and one, I'm sorry, there was one other thing people did to stay awake. People would hop out of, and there are, uh, our instructors let us do it too. We would just hop out of our chairs and just do push, just, just, push-ups like jumping jacks or push-ups or, or uh, um, eight counts or something like that. Okay, yeah, to keep the, keep the blood going. The blood going, get, keep us awake, and then sit back down and do more modules. So that was that was all kind of hard. It was pretty tough, but it was, you know, nothing compared to boot camp. So I fin- finished all that, and then I finally went, to, got my orders to the fleet. I got orders to the USSS, <coughs> sorry, USS, Abraham Lincoln uh, aircraft carrier up in the uh, Seattle area. Yeah. Ooh, fancy! And I was assigned to um, to work on the, and I'll have to see if I can get this name right. The ANSPS forty nine Victor eight air search radar. That's that was what I was assigned to. Oh, that piece of equipment that I had to maintain. Um, and it, well, first of all, when I first got to that, to that area, to that part of the region, the um, Seattle area, the first thing I noticed about it was it seemed like everyone was asleep. Like the entire town was asleep <laughs> because it was overcast and it rained. And I'll get to that in a second. Cause there was something utterly bizarre about that. It seemed to rain and it was overcast and just people just kind of like seemed um, depressed, like comatose. Oh. It was amazing. And it was very different from where I came from. came from uh, Pennsylvania, East Coast, where everyone's like on edge and 
and short-fused and aggressive. Uh, here, everyone's just passive, you know, just like they're all like they're all medicated. Like just la di da. Like they're all like they're all like medicated. Like don't really raise their voice. Don't really move very fast. Don't get excited. Just passive, and you know that's how it seemed. I gotcha. Uh, no, no sense of aggression. Just so that's the first thing I noticed. Um, the second thing I noticed was, as I said before, it rained all the time. <laughs> and I got there in September, and it was uh, what they call, you know, the rainy season. But truthfully, when I was when I was there during the summertime, and the only difference was it rained something like three times a week oh. rather five to six times sometimes seven times a week ugh, ugh, no, in fact no. it was one time right right it, it 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 was amazing it was it was just crazy and i remember one time where it seemed to have rained 10 days in a row and by that i mean when i woke up it was raining when i went to work it was it was raining when i went to lunch it was raining at night it was raining when i you know any time I was outside and could see, you know, I was outside where I, where I could see or hear the rain, it was raining. You know, and there might have been like 30 minutes where it wasn't, but it just it seemed to rain all the time for just ten, for a 10-day stretch, I remember. And that was, that was incredible. I can understand how people are the way they are, where they are based on that. Ugh. So, so people that are like listening to YouTube channels of like calming rain and stuff like that, they... You, you suggest they should probably just move to Seattle and just yes, experience it. Right. Because it's very steady. It's not like thunderous rain, like over in the East coast where they have thunderstorms and things, massive storms, stuff like that. It's just a steady, you know, uh, solid rain, not more than a drizzle. Um, but always a solid downpour. Yeah. And it was, it was just amazing. It was amazing. Um, and when I got there, uh, the carrier had just come back from deployment, so <clears throat> it was in what was called a state of dry dock. And so basically, I spent my days, my me and my division, uh, we spent our days uh, busting rust with mm. these these nail guns. Needle guns. Seen nail guns? Yeah, they they hard to describe. These these metal pieces that are on, that are inside this this thing, and there's <laughs> you plug a man in it pumps this air and the, the things move, but they never come out. I guess they're, they must be attached. At, you know, there must be a solid thing attached. It's kind of like a drill, except, um, like, you know how you, you put a piece into a drill? Well, let's imagine, like, several of those, maybe ten of those pieces, and the, the drill mouth is wide enough to hold it. But on, on the back end, there's something solid so that those pieces never fly out of the drill, but they're always being pushed forward. It, it's, I've never seen it before. It was some kind of some kind of thing. We used it. What to, is this alien device you hand me? Yeah, <laughs> uh, they, you know, it's, it's the stuff that they came up with. Is <laughs> uh, so we used that to remove rust, and then we did a lot of painting. Um, the ship, like I said, was out of the water. It was in a um, some kind of a holding thing where they can, you know, service the bottom of the ship, the hull, and so forth. And that's pretty much. Uh, what we did spend our days doing for a good, I don't know, six months maybe. And oh. um, when I got there, I I was rank E4, so I was a petty officer at the time. 
but I wasn't, I, I couldn't get, um, I couldn't live um, off base just yet. Um, I wasn't eligible to get um, a housing allowance. Okay. And I couldn't live in the, the uh, barracks, the BEQs, either because um, the ship was dry docked in um, a, in a, 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 a base that was not our technic technic was not technically our base. Um, there was two bases up there. One's Everett, and one's called Bremerton. And Everett was where the ship, where I was assigned, where the ship was uh, assigned. But it can only be dry docked in Bremerton. So we were sort of guests on another uh, naval base. And so therefore the, the uh, barracks and the BQs belong to the people who were stationed to the ships, uh, stationed on the ships that were, um, that that was their home port. So we had to live on something called a barge. Right. And it was this floating thing. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Oh, it yeah. I've lived on one. Thing. Okay, right. So it was this, yeah, it, it was this floating thing that had where the, um, the uh, mess hall was where we would, you know, they would serve food and, and it had living quarters. So, so I had to eat and sleep on that barge and then go to work, you know, you know, on the ship. Yep. So I really, for it was like I said, it was a good six months before I actually did any work with my with the actual radar equipment that um, I was assigned to. But once I finally did get there, get to that point where the ship was, you know, no more uh, construction and things were being done on it, I and mean, we were mostly just, you know, checking our equipment, uh, testing it, doing maintenance on it, so forth and so on. I found I find out that, well, basically, um, I was part of combat systems. Uh, uh, department and within that I was part of radar division um, and basically all the technicians in that division um, you know we serviced all the, the radars and there were several of them. Uh, there was a final approach radar there was an air traffic control radar there was a um, an air search radar which is what I was assigned to and other things and basically there's typically two techs for each radar and, uh, but for me, my tech, uh, my, my counterpart, my, um, my colleague was a, a first class petty officer, Okay. but he was getting kicked out of the Navy because he failed his PFAs. He couldn't maintain uh. his fitness. So when I get there, I'm the sole technician on this massive radar and I'll get to why, why wait, that's... Wait, wait, wait. You were the only one? The only one, because the one who's supposed to be with me was getting kicked out. On a carrier? And, right. I was the sole technician for my air search radar. That would, that I, just, it blew my mind. You know, I mean, he wasn't kicked out immediately. It was maybe like a month into uh, my time, uh, you know, take, uh, taking over the radar. Because I was taking over for another technician who was my rank, and he was leaving. He was changing duty stations. Um, but the uh, first class, who was, you know, was, he was sort of like the mentor, and I was the, you know, pro he was going to, you know, mentor me, basically. You know, he was the, the expert on it, and I'm, like, easing my way in um, and, you know, learning the ins and outs of the radar, you know, things that yeah. I could possibly learn in the school, you know, for the school, the school I went to for the radar. Um, but nope, he gets kicked out. So I'm, I'm stuck learning, 
crash course basically on this this whole radar. Jeez. And the manual, the manual to this radar is, I don't know, it had to be maybe twelve inches tall. Nope. A good foot. A book. A big radar manual that's about a, a foot tall. Nope. Nope. And forget that. It was insane. It was just totally insane. Um, so, uh, lucky for me, we were still, we were out of dry dock and we were what, we were what was called, um, DPIA, I think that's what it's called, in which we're not available to deploy, but, you know, we're just getting ready. We're getting everything with test, testing all the systems, getting all the supplies, you know, we're just, you know, just getting ready. Okay. So during that time, uh, we, you know, the, uh, the equipment wasn't like, it wasn't really on, or at least not being used. They were returning on so we can do maintenance checks on it, um, but it wasn't. They weren't relying on it. Uh, that wouldn't happen until we would actually get underway out to sea. Um, so, I I had to, you know, scramble to to learn this this huge complicated radar that I was, you know, we touched on during school, but it's all very quick. You know, it's just the briefest of walkthroughs. Right. Um, Most of it is just click next and just yeah. go. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I, I got the overall gist of how it all works. But, the you know, if something fails and it's not specifically something that was briefly covered in the training, then, right. then I'm, I'm up, you know, up, up the creek without a paddle. <laughs> so um, now the well, I, I might have to jump ahead a little bit. Um, go ahead i'm about to jump ahead to we get you know we get we get everything in order the ship and we're out to sea we're doing what we call sea trials and um the radar is on and it goes down but and at the same time the air i'm sorry the air traffic control radar goes down they kind of go down at the same time or maybe they were staggered i think mine went down first and basically what happened was <clears throat> everyone from my work center supervisor to my LPO to my uh, division officer to the combat systems um, officer to the executive officer to the captain, everyone takes notice when that happens because it's the air search radar. It's, it's what, what finds air contacts. So, right. you know. However unlikely this is, let's just say some enemy plane decided to fly and, you know, fly right at us and decided to, you know, drop bombs on us, whatever. Without that radar, they would not have been able to find air contacts, or at least they wouldn't be able to find them uh, a certain distance out. Now, we have redundant radars, but they're shorter range. You know, by that time, the plane could have gotten too close and, you know... It, Damage it lo- is already done. Yeah, it, it lowers our uh, ability to take out the target. You know, the uh, my radar had something like a 250 nautical mile range. That way, you can find contacts that far away. That way, you can take multiple shots at the uh, approaching jet uh, before it can get close enough to you know to hit us. So that radar went down, and they all took notice. You know, and at one point, the um, cap, not the captain, but the executive officer was in our radar space looking, you know, asking questions and looking for updates. 
And here I am, fresh out of school, <laughs> sitting there, you know, you know, trying to make, you know, co- you know, combing through the uh, radar book, trying to figure out what's going on with it. And lucky for me, um, I did figure out the, what, what, what happened. I did figure out, well, at least I figured out one thing. It had problems later, but that's, you know, maybe I'll get to that, maybe not. But the, yep. the point is, they kept me awake for four straight days to work on that radar. And you can imagine what kind of a nightmare that is. A, it should just be help stayed awake and you're not getting any sleep. But the thing is, like, the longer you stay awake, the less lucid you are. So the less likely you are to find the problem. You see what I mean? So, so they kept you awake, and somehow, after the fourth day, you were able to figure out the problem. I, 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 I don't. I, I honestly don't know how. <laughs> I really don't know. I, it was to be honest. I. It, it's kind of a blur because, like I said, when you go without sleep, you your memory's not so good. Your 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 mood. I was snapping at everybody. You kind of feel drunk a little bit. My division officer. I was snapping at everybody. Um, you know, my all my colleagues just. I just I was not doing well, um, but I, I it was really kind of a guess. I, I just I I tried a couple of things while I was still like I said my mental faculties were deteriorating day by day, but I I, I did enough the first couple of days that I, you know I I, I made a, a good guess on what the issue was, and it turned out to be like one of the um, one of the um, was it a I, I forget what they're called. I just I know them when I see them. There's these these bulbs that um, they're kind of like fuses. Think of them as like high energy radar fuses. Okay. I can't remember what the, the the official title is, and we keep those in stock. Uh, so I I figured I said it must be this this you know this thing you know that it, it, it's probably um, insufficient um, passing insufficient current to the um, klystron, which was the uh, think of it as like a radar amplifier, you know. It, gotcha. it, it's, it's what takes the triple phase um, um, uh, electricity, um, energy, power, um, and amplifies it to a high energy burst, you know, that could shoot out the uh, the main radar dish. Uh, so I, I figured it, it had to be that. And if I was wrong, I, I honestly don't know what happened. I have no idea what happened because they can't. They can't bring anyone else to, to work it, because I'm the expert on it, so to speak. But like I said, I'm, I was really just a trainee and the, the senior person. Now, the only thing they could have done, the only thing they could have done is this: they could have um, gotten someone from uh, Raytheon, which is the defense contractor which made the radar. They could have gotten someone from from the shore, and they'd have to. Uh, bring that person, fly that person over onto the carrier for wherever we at, where we were at. Now, we weren't that far off the coast of uh, Washington State. You know, we were, I don't know, a couple hundred miles or however far we, we go. Right. I, I never, I can't remember. But they'd have to fly someone, you know, from there, the person who, you know, who uh, who's an expert on that radar. That is crazy. That, that I typically interface with when we're in port, you know. And you know, I, I, um, you know, I can shoot ideas back and forth, or he can, you know, I work with that person. Right. Um, they'd have to fly that person on the helo. That's that's the word. That's was uh, the word I was looking for. They would have to heal helo that person over 
uh, onto the carrier and then, you know, work on the problem. But I, I fixed the problem. The radar was back up and running, and then I got yeah. to go to, and I got to go to sleep. And something like that also happened uh, to the air traffic control radar. And lucky for them, it was three people who were assigned to that. But even then, all three of those people had to stay awake. You know, our division officer wouldn't even let like two people sleep while one person worked or one person or two people work while one person sleep. No, nope. he made all three of them stay awake. They didn't have to stay awake as long as me. They had to stay awake like two or three days, I think. Uh, but they they figured out the problem. Now, in that case, they had both the executive officer and the captain in their space, literally just standing <laughs> over them, watching them as they work. It wasn't that bad for me. I had no, you, just, you just had the XO. Well, he was only there for an update. Okay. Because air search radar is important, but like I said, we weren't really expecting Russian MiGs to come and you know hit us while we were blind. Like the odds of something happening were very remote. Now the air traffic control radar was significant because they were doing flight operations. They were oh. trying flight operations, so they had you know they it basically halted that whole thing. And in flight operations, is the entire point of having an aircraft carrier. Right. So everyone was ground, you know, everyone was halted. Everyone in uh, in uh, air traffic control, everyone working the flight deck, everyone, uh, all the pilots, everyone working the fuel lines, just everyone, everything came to a screeching halt until those three technicians, all of them are both like, they're all like 20 years old, something like 19 years old. These three technicians to fix this, this uh, air traffic control radar. <clears throat> So they they had the captain and the XO just and the, you know our division officer and other people just standing in their space. Everybody everybody in the kitchen sink just waiting for it yeah. to uh, get fixed. And it was it was just, it was horrible. And I you know I it was bad for me, but it was even worse for them. Uh, maybe the only difference was they were a week like two days in a row, and I was a week four. Um, so that 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 was that was really tough. Um, I can only imagine. But uh, besides that, uh, I really had a lot of fun at my first, sorry, at my first duty station. Are oh, you good? You're good. Um, we, 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 we were really close in radar division, and um, we used to um, pretty much go over each each other's uh, place. This was this was uh, later after, like I said, my first duty station. Uh, later. I'm jumping ahead. I need to jump ahead also. By then, by then we've gotten um, at least a couple of people got a, a housing allowance, so they had apartments, and they could, uh, you know, we could go over there and just, you know, um, drink late Jaeger bombs and play beer pong and play Guitar Hero, watch movies and all stuff. And that's sort of what everything was like over up there because it rained all the time. People weren't really outside, so there was a really vibrant indoor. Uh, social scene you know people went to each other's houses and and had fun that way okay they weren't like outdoors uh so also we um went to there was like one strip club that everyone went to there were two nightclubs that people went to um i think the strip club was called honey's and it was actually a really classy place 
I was it wasn't really my thing, but I but you know people hung up with they always wanted to go or wanted to go pretty regularly. So and then I was actually surprised how clean and classy it was. It was a real you know old style gentleman's club, and we also went to these nightclubs and there was basically two of them, but most everyone went to a club called One Three One. Oh yeah, and because it was eighteen and up. <laughs> uh, that make that makes sense. Yeah. So every every weekend, you know, friends would, you know, I would like sometimes like, uh, like turn my phone off because I just didn't want to be dragged. Because, so the, you know, this is one of the things about being like older. I was like thirty or thirty one at the time, and like all the people I hung out with was, were mostly like twenty, twenty one, eighteen, or whatever. And the difference being, they always wanted to go out. They would go out <laughs> Friday night. Then it would go out Saturday night, and then it would go out Sunday night. We had to be we had to be on duty on Monday, and they're talking about going out on Sunday night at ten at ten you know ten p.m. whatever and partying all night. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry, I can't do it. So I would just like not answer my phone and just you know hide in my room, you know, don't answer my door, act like I'm out when they would knock on it if I didn't answer my phone. So it was yeah, it was it was it was very different being older. Yeah, being in the navy, it was very different. Um, one of the best things, or I should say, one of the best and worst things about going—you you pretty much had to go to Seattle if you wanted to have any real fun. And at the time, um, we were at, like I said, we were at Bremerton Base, and Bremerton was on the other side of the Puget Sound. That you know that that river that separated right. one part of Washington, Washington from the other part. Um, and so you had to, to get there, you had to take ferries and you could take your vehicle onto the ferry if you wanted to pay. Um, okay. That's was, pretty cool. And you know, I had a vehicle at that time. Um, I got one almost, you know, right when I got there and it really made a difference uh, in terms of how much fun I had. And I had a lot of fun up there. I had a lot of fun. That's good. And so I would take my car and, you know, friends would hop in the car and we would go to Seattle and we would go to the clubs and so forth. Uh, but the, the, the funny thing was, to go back, you had to catch that ferry. And it came once every hour. every hour, Or maybe more than it. Maybe once every two hours. And Wait. if you missed that ferry, you had to drive all the way around. You had to drive all the way south. And then you had to drive uh, west to go around the bottom of the Puget Sound. That peninsula or whatever you call it, the, at least the body of water that creates the peninsula. Right. And then drive all the way north. And I took about almost the same amount of time to wait for another ferry. So why bother waiting all that time just drive around? So I don't know how many times, you know, we spent doing that. <laughs> uh, now we did have some some crazy stuff happen um, in, in our division specifically. We had this hazing event. Um, where we we had our, our division was made up of both of guys and girls, okay. and there was a lot of playing around, you know, teasing and, and messing around, and you know, r- wrestling that kind of stuff, you know. Right, right. And but one time, so it was this one guy and this one girl. I'm not going to say their names. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, probably for the uh, best. Right. So they, you know, they were messing around, and then the guy he kind of got. Um, he kind of got a little uh, more aggressive. So what he ended up doing was like he grabbed some duct tape 
and he taped both her arms and wrists and she kind of resisted but not really like it was kind of she wasn't really laughing but she wasn't really fighting so it was like we were all kind of all watching this and we were so we didn't quite know exactly what to make of it you know it was more than what they were what we're used to seeing them do in terms of the playing around so right. he, he duct tapes her arms you know her her hands and arms and then he duct tapes her legs and feet oh jeez puts a bag over like a plastic big like lawn leaf plastic bag over what and kinda like and like uh and like puts her on the ground something like that you know he doesn't throw her but he kind of puts her on the ground and he t- tapes the bag shut oh. and she doesn't really say anything like she doesn't fight but she clearly didn't really it was just a weird thing yeah so now Inside the vision, we were all kind of like shocked, and you know, someone else actually opened the bag, and she got out, and she wasn't happy, wasn't laughing, but still didn't say anything, and we really didn't know what to make of it. And then, but um, someone from a different division, but still within combat systems, kind of saw all this happen, and he he reported it. None of us did, but he he reported it to somebody, and all of a sudden, I'm just a big crap storm came down on us um our you know our work center supervisor division officer the combat systems officer and the guy and because uh, one of the other guys kind of helped the whole thing there was, uh. there was one guy who was the ringleader and he was the second class too the rest of us were third classes and he was kind of he was the ringleader he was the one doing mostly but one of the other guys helped one you know his friend he helped and I think was I think it was even a third guy who even helped too. But all I know is all three of them went to first they went to, you know, DRB where you go before the chiefs and they, they ream you and then decide what they're gonna do. Right. And they kicking it up to to um Captain's Mass. So all three of them went to Captain's Mass. And the funny thing is all of all the rest of us who were there could have gotten could have gone to DRB and maybe Captain's Mass for failure to report, um, but for some miracle we we didn't we didn't get brought up on you know charges ourselves. That's oof. yeah, yeah. So the first class he he had just made second class too. I'm sorry, not the first class. The second class he had just made second class, so they took his advancement away and then dropped him a rank. <laughs> So in other words, he got dropped from E5 to E3. To E3, yeah. Yeah. And then we had another incident where this girl in our division, she went uh, she went AWOL or UA, we say. Um, she just she just left because she, she was in love with some boy, and the boy oh. moved or something like that, and she left with him. Oh, no. The other side of the country, went to Virginia, I believe. And she was gone for like a good six months. And they didn't declare her a deserter because somewhere around just before the six-month six mark, she emailed someone in our division and kind of asked, like, what would happen if she came back? And then that person asked, the uh, you know, LPO and LPO, you know, and they decided that, you know, they weren't, they weren't, she did, she wasn't declared a deserter and that she was going to get royally punished when she came if she came back but that saying that she could come back you know right if she was deserted then she couldn't 
they just would arrest her. Whenever. Yeah, they would take her to prison. Right. Uh, so she she came back and they they I mean they they wrecked her. Oh yeah. You know, she was E four. Yeah, she was in E four and they dropped her to E one. And they had her on restriction for. Uh, I think the max they could do was forty five days anyway. I think that is the max you can get for a captain's mass anyway. Uh. Don't get more, I guess, if you go to court martial or something. No, she did get she did get court martial. She got a summary court martial. Oh wow! So they gave her two months. They gave her two months. That's right, two month two months of restriction, and you know, and all the things that come with it. And they dropped her from E four down to E one, but they let her they let her stay. That's crazy. Then, and then we had another guy. Oh no! Who in our own in our division? All this was in our division. Another guy who he just got he just got tired of. You know, then got tired of the Navy, and he when she went, when she went AWOL, he went AWOL too. Not that like sometime after, maybe about a month later, he just went AWOL. But he, he, he was gone for a while. She came back, and he eventually came back too. But mm-hmm. he, 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 he just went crazy to be honest. He like this. He he declared you know, the Navy an enemy combatant some oh kind of my goodness it just went it just went crazy and they just put him in the brig you know and he, and they just kept him there until they took him to um court martial and then they 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 gave him some kind of discharge of some sort i don't know if it was a a bad conduct discharge but they they discharged him with something other than honorable maybe um cuz i guess he came back before the 6 month period happened yeah so uh that was something. That was some weird stuff that happened in my division. Yeah, I mean, but, it's a carrier, so I mean, there's bound to be like so just some crazy stuff that happens. Yeah, but there was also um, the. I would say the best part about it was the the difference between being out to sea and being in port. In port, you know, it's like a work day. You come in, do your maintenance, do whatever whatever other stuff that needs to be done, cleaning and so forth. Um. And then, you know, you leave and you go wherever, you know, to your BEQ or to your apartment if you have one. All but right. out to sea, the out, but out to sea, the equipment is turned on and it's always running. So there's no maintenance to do. There's, you know, there's some cleaning, but not a whole lot. And unless they do, you know, you know, schedule cleaning. Um, and, but basically, we spent all our time uh, either playing Guitar Hero or watching movies on DVDs that people brought in, or sleeping, because <laughs> we had the day and the night shift. Right. You know, most of the you know the smart people were lucky to get on the night shift, where the division officer and the LPO, you know, they they would be on day shift because they had to be. Um, and you know, while they're asleep, we're up, you know, during our night shift. And what we would do is we would have like one person stay awake. We would rotate um, people sleeping if we wanted to. You know. We would be playing games and, and, you know, screwing off and messing around. And then if we got tired, then one person stays awake while the rest of people just nap. And then, you know, after two hours or something, you know, someone else wakes up and the other everyone else, you know. So we would have some kind of rotation. So right. life is sweet other than the fact that we had to sleep during the day, which, you know, day sleep is not as good as night sleep because there's so much noise. Right. Uh, but I, I just, I loved... You know, I love being out to sea. I love being on a boat. 
you know, every morning I would get up and go out onto the catwalk. You know, you couldn't go on a flight deck because, you know, it's just a hazard. It's dangerous. Um, but we would all go out on the catwalk. Not all of us, but some of us would go out on the catwalk and just listen, watch the waves, look at the, you know, sun coming up or going down. or It just it just was gorgeous, beautiful. I love being out to sea. That does sound beautiful. I remember plenty of mornings and nights just being out there at sea and just at nights you just see every single little star that you could see that your eyes it's could just, take in it's just utterly gorgeous just gorgeous just probably the most beautiful thing especially i remember this one thing i even i even took some photos of it i even have pictures of it where it was out to sea and it was overcast you know clouds but there was this but the sun uh, light peered through this hole in the clouds and it shined right on the on the water and it was it has to be the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And don't, don't tell I, me a whale jumped up right at that moment too. Nope. 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 But it, it just the uh, it was like there was no light anywhere. I mean, you know, it was overcast, but somehow the light pushed through the clouds or through an opening in the clouds and it was just a like a beam a ray of light coming right through the clouds and, and shining on the water. And it, it just was gorgeous. Ah, oh, that sounds gorgeous. So, uh, well, I end up, I end up um, uh, having to leave the ship, and I'll try to make this, you know, shorter. And this has to do with the uh, thing I mentioned earlier about um, uh, them doing a background check on me and my clearance. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what happened with that? Right. So, what ended up happening? One day, I got called into the security officer's office, and he told me that. I was being denied for secret clearance. And he said, because I had uh, all these debts from college and no no explanation for, you know, he had no information on it, no explanation for it. Because it turned out that that federal investigator never filed that report, that background check he did on me. So, all this time, so I had an interim interim, and that's what they do. They give you an interim secret clearance while they, you know, complete the process of con- uh, uh, confirming you for a secret clearance. And he called me in and told me that I wasn't going to get it because there was no background check done on me. Are you kidding me? Right. So I, either he never filed it or it got lost or whatever. So they ended up um, reclassifying me. You know, to, they changed the job, forced reclassification. To what? Uh, they made they 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 well, they gave me some options, but um, really there was no real option. The only thing they let uh, the only thing I could have been other than a, a, a deck seaman was uh, was a corpsman, was a medic. Wait. So I said, uh, you know, no. I, I took it. No, yeah. no, no. So you but, went from being electrical. Yes. To being medical. Okay. Yep. I'm going to skip the whole uh, going through med- uh, to, through core school. I'm going to skip that. It, it was a it was a tough. Well, I will say this about it. I I knew that I was in a world of trouble because I ha- I knew nothing about being a medic. Medic. I didn't want to do it. You know. Right. I, I believe it's a, a a great noble profession, but I was not meant for it. 
you know, I'm a technical person, not a, you know, not that, not that kind of a person to would be a, a provide medical care to people. Um, but when I got to core school, I tried to get, I tried to fail out of it. And first I tried to request to be dropped. Okay. And cause I, I just, I said, you know what, being a, uh, being a deck seaman is better than this. Cause at least after maybe like a year, I can apply to become something else. You know, maybe I, uh, um, uh, in IT. And also I, fa- I found out later when it was too late what an IT was and what an ET was. And what I meant to be was an IT when I first came in. But that, like I said, that recruiter knew and he just totally, he totally needed, said, he needed to fill a billet and he you were the, billet. oh and here, no, um, you know, here I am and I, I scored really well on their aptitude test and you know, you need that in order to become an ET and I, here I am scored well in the aptitude test, billets to fill, fit me in, right? And he, but he knew, he knew I wanted to be an IT because I specifically asked for computers multiple times. And but anyway, that so I felt that if I went to the to the you know if I if I left core school and went back to the fleet as a deck seaman, at least after a year I could you know try to get OJT or reapply or re get a classification for IT because I had that I had the knowledge the aptitude for it. Right. Um. But they said when I failed my first test. I got taken in to talk to someone. She was a first class, I think, um, first class uh, corpsman. And she's the person who reviews, you know, failures, you know, try and figure out what's going on. Did you study, blah, 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 blah. And I told her basically the situation, you know, what happened. I was an, I was an ET and I got forced to classify and whatever. And she said, you know what, I, I understand. I understand your situation. But, but she said, here's the thing. With your aptitude test score i got a 97 on the asvap test nearly perfect whoa she said with your aptitude test scores there is no way they're going to believe that you tried as hard as you could studied as hard as you could and could not pass these tests the tests were easy i could have passed them easily if i wanted to and that was so I, i failed the first test you know not terribly but just like just barely you know, trying to make it, you know, give myself plausible deniability. I got you. I got you. Uh, and she said, she sat me down. She said, look, there is no way they're going to believe that you could not pass these tests with your aptitude score. And they're going to <clears throat> bring you up on charges of failure to obey an order or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, article they could attach to it. And then I'd be in trouble, you know. So I, I, you know, I didn't say anything. I just passed all the tests afterward and graduated course school and became a corpsman. That is, are, uh, oh my goodness. Nah, yeah. no, I, if, if they threw me into medical right now with what I know as a welder, I, I couldn't do it at all. No, well, I, I, okay. You were, so you were forced me, to. Yeah, so let me get to my first duty assignment as a medic. So one good thing is uh, I went, I had to go back to um, Great Lakes for core school. So I left the fleet, went back to school for, I think it was four months, five months, something like that. So I graduated core school, and I got orders to San Diego. And 
I was in a terrible position of being a, a, a ET who be, who became a medic, but I was in San Diego, and I, I was just I couldn't stop smiling. I just was so happy. Because I could have gotten, gotten Paris Island Marine Recruit Depot in, uh, uh, well, Paris Island, South Carolina. I think the actual medical thing is in Beaufort, South Carolina. But I would have been assigned to the Marine Recruit Depot as a medic. I'm like, oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me. Because um, I was leaving what's called, you might know this term called the Blue Navy. And heading to the Green Navy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Because as a corpsman, you're leaving the Blue Navy. You're not going on. You're really not. You're not attached to any more ships. Right. Unless you're deploying with the Marines, who happen to be, you know, transported on a ship to whatever the destination is. You're basically just a, a, um, a medic f- um, for the Marines, basically. Essentially, there are some corpsmen who get assigned to ships, but most, of the the overwhelming majority are assigned to Marine uh, units, as far as I know. That's, that's how I understand it. Um, so I get assigned to San Diego. I get assigned to um, Naval Medical Center San Diego. And even an, another uh, streak of luck, I get um, the person who basically makes a decision of, about what I would do at that duty station. He was not there. So the, the backup person decided to just send me to wherever it is I wanted to go. And I said, well, can I go to um, to the Naval, to the Medical Center on uh, Coronado Island or North Island, which was which is like as sweet, uh, as sweet a, a assignment as you can get because you're not at the hospital where all the high-ranking people are. Right. And it's more strict. Right. I was way out there on Coronado Island at the medical clinic. And I got that assignment and I got there. And it just was, I was just loving life, at least in the sense of being in San Diego and, and, and being at that location. But I was still uh, an ET who was converted to a corpsman. So um, now, lucky for me, and this is another streak of luck, I, I, had, I, I was very lucky in a sense. I, I had some really bad luck, but also had a lot of good luck happen to me. I... Um, they knew that I was a converted ET to a corpsman. Okay. And they let me run their computer. Um, their com- basically, I'll, I became the IT manager for the clinic. And there was about 100 computers and printers and fax machines and so forth and so on. And I became the IT manager for that clinic. I did, I did very little medical uh, medical work, like maybe once a month. I had to stand duty inside the urgent care um, unit, um, but I was just only for like one one day or something like that. Okay. Uh, or maybe a week. It might have been a week. But even then, it was just very little medical medical um, stuff. I spent almost the entire four years stationed there <clears throat> as the IT manager, and then later I, I took over as the s- supply officer and then the facilities manager, and then also I became a government credit card holder Had all those positions. And I did very little uh, medical stuff. Now, the funny thing is, while I was there, I uh, got my secret clearance cleared up. Are you serious? Yeah. And the reason why is because they changed it so that you now needed a secret clearance to become to be a corpsman. So they 
you know, they uh, also I was on shore where they can do the background check and everything. They couldn't do it while I was on the ship or, or they wouldn't do it. I'm not sure the reason they just decided to classify me rather than redo the background check whole, you know, investigation thing. I guess they needed um, a vest, an investigator from there and they weren't going to heal that person onto the thing just to do a background check for me. Um, but whatever the reason, um, they didn't do it and I got reclassified. Yeah. So oh, this time, my goodness. I was on shore and they sent another federal investigator to to interview me. And, you know, I went into, he took me into the conference room another four hours, went through all the things. He took the report and he filed it this time. And this time I got my secret clearance. So I'm like, great. I'm, 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 you know, by this time, I'm almost, um, I'm pushing close to the um, my reenlistment. I'm pushing close to my reenlistment, and maybe within six months, something like that, or, or maybe eight months. So I'm 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 feeling great. You know, I'm 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 clicking on all heels. There you go. Job. I'm IT manager. I'm you know supply manager. You know, I had my own office. I had uh, four guys, uh, four guys I believe working working under me. I was the work center supervisor for my space and uh, just loving life. And so, okay. So, okay. Well, I got my secret clearance back. I'm going to, you know, switch back. I'm going to become an ET when I, for reenlistment, you know, I'm going to reenlist as an ET or IT. IT. This IT. Time. Yeah. 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 IT this time. Cause I realized it. So I go and, you know, do the, uh, evaluate, you know, the way they evaluate you to determine if they're going to let you reenlist. Um, or, and also, you know, just tell you what's what, um, how much, how long you can reenlist for, if there's a reenlistment bonus. Uh, so you basically go talk to the, um, I forget what the person's called. It's not the detailer, but it's that person, you know, I think the, you're, when you've, have you done a reenlistment? Uh, so I have done a reenlistment. Um, fudge. and Who maybe you go and talk to someone first, it's like some kind of career counselor of some sort. Navy uh, career. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's just the Navy uh, Navy career counselor. Yeah, the career counselor. So I went and talked to the career counselor, and they said, um, Jason, we are not going to allow you to uh, – we're going to allow you to reenlist because your service to this point has been, you know, exemplary. You know, I get, you know, uh, MPs, and I think, even got, I think I even got an EP one time, but I've been, got nothing but MPs, or, and then one time I got an EP. Um, your service has been exemplary to this point. We would love to have you for another, another uh, tour. He said, and then I said, well, I was I was hoping that I, you know I could uh, reenlist and become an IT. And he said, uh, no, we're not going to let you do that. Yeah. I said, well, why, well, why not? He said, well, we, you know, we sent you the core school, and then you did um, four year or four years shore duty. Um, we need you to do, you know, a C tour before we can consider you for for um, changing your rate. Are you kidding me? Yep. And because it was kind of unusual that I got a shore assignment after going after leaving core school. Right. Because I was still on a C rotation when I got reclassified. So I, technically, I should have gone back to another C rotation. But I guess they couldn't. I'm not honestly. I'm not really sure how that all worked, but I ended up on a shore rotation, so I needed to do a sea rotation before they would let me um, 
you know, change rates or can be considered for changing rates. So what did you do? But I, well, I can kind of see where this was going to go because that's to say I did do this this C rotation. And the C rotation consists of being embedded in a, a Marine division and uh, I think it was up in um, Camp Pendleton. I think that's where the orders were for or, you know, the orders they had. Um, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, what occurred to me or what I started to realize was that even if I did do a C rotation, what would end up happening is after that C rotation, I probably would have made first class by that time. I was a second class um, by this time. And I probably would have made first class sometime before the end of my second, uh, at the end of my second enlistment, my reenlistment. And then what would have happened is I would have been a first class corpsman, right? Right. I would have had, they would have said something like, I can almost imagine it. They would have said something like, well, we've invested too much in oh, you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woman, and you would be starting over as an ET, uh, IT, and you wouldn't, you know, you'd be a first-class IT, but you wouldn't have had all the experience or training or, or something. They would have said something, and, and they would have said, no, we're not going to let you do it. Yep. And then I'm just screwed. So, and then I ended up, um, this is what... Uh, led to me leaving service and that's why I'm I left service um, six years ago and and it's basically because of this um, I loved naval service I mean it was horrible sometimes um, you know wonderful most of the time but and it was, but it was never boring and that's what I can say about it and I can say that to anyone who's who would ever consider joining uh, Naval service is that it's not boring. It's a lot of things, but it's not boring. Hmm. Well, um, so I have service, and um, and the rest, the rest is history. So, are you enjoying your time outside of the service? I, I miss service. You do? I, do miss service. I miss putting on my coveralls when I was in the ship. I loved it. I just loved wearing my coveralls all the time, and I wore them all the time. Right. And when I was on shore duty, I missed wearing my um, my digicamis, dig, my camouflage uniform. Mm -hmm. Those were so comfortable. The coveralls uh, were the blueberries. The, yeah, yeah. And I, I really those were comfortable. Um, and I just missed wearing it. I miss being in the uniform because it meant some. It, it really meant something being in the uniform. Um, you know, there's people who aren't proud of their service. You know, didn't like their time in the navy. But I, I wasn't one of those people. Uh, I loved my time. I was proud of my time. And if circumstances were different, I would have stayed. I would have retired. Wow. But I, I left because I I knew I, I spent the last four years as a computer technician and supply officer and so forth and did almost no medical uh, training. Yeah. So there's no way I could have done four years as a medic, you know, embedded with the Marines, expected to be able to give them good medical service. And I wouldn't be able to do it. And that would have been a liability for myself, for them, and for all involved. Yeah. You know, I've been a loose cannon on deck, basically. And so I, instead of doing that, trying to do that, and probably facing catastrophic consequences or results, you know, I, I decided to leave service to not reenlist. I hear you.
Well, I mean, I love talking to you and everything, but uh, unfortunately, I got to cut it short here now. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was anything you wanted to say to the folks that were wanting to join, what would be some advice that you would give them? Do your research for what you want to do in the Navy. Do not go in there blindly because you'll end up you'll end up with doing a job that you may not want to do and you'll be stuck doing that job. Um, also, your time in the Navy will be hard, especially early on, but it will get easier as you go. It won't get harder. Um, also, your time in the Navy will be um, as good or bad based on the effort that you put into it. Yeah. And there's very... You know, that's that's true of a lot of things, but it is probably no more true than in uh, naval service. Yeah. Well, and, the last, and the last thing I would say would be um, you'll never be bored. There's never a dull moment. That is, that is very true, by the way. All right. Well, Jason, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And was- can't wait to catch another movie with you. All right. <laughs> sure. All right. Take it easy, Jason. Hey everyone, Ray Flushroom here. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to the Standby Muster. I'm sorry it's taken forever to post a new episode, but it's harder than I thought to try to find people to interview. But I'm going to keep trying to find those that want to share their experience. If you would like to be a guest on the show, or if you have a question, then please email me at thestandbymuster at gmail.com, or you can always get at me on Twitter, at thestandbymuster. If you enjoyed the show, then please subscribe to the channel and also share this podcast with your friends and family. Till next time, I'll see you at the Standby Mustard.